This show is part of the Darkmore Podcast Network. To join our community Discord or see more content from our members, visit darkmorepodcasts.com. My name is Sarah, and I play Morlinde Lyklast, an elf in the circle of the land and presiding druid over New Isatalos. And this is Advantage. Last time in episode 2.51, the Unknown Associates fought off a crew of Githyanki pirates who attacked their ship on the way to the astral dominion of Celestia. The raiders attacked on the backs of red dragons and were fought off with the aid of the ship's own dragon guard and a draconic exarch from Bahamut, leaving the twags to slay the pirate boarding party who had taken the crew captive. Our allies were saved and the ship survived. And that is where we will pick up. and on at the astral dominion of Celestia, where the high gods Kord, Bahamut, and Morden reside. As the old quarrel came into harbor, the crew pointed out features to you. Among the piney green foothills and mountains, seven peaks stand out in particular. You were told which was Mertian, Bahamut's dragon airy, and that the highest peak, ten miles from the astral sea to its pinnacle, is called Cronius. They said that Venya, Cord's mountain fortress of ramparts and parapets could not be seen from this approach to Selena, where you are now. The Dwarf Father's mountain is unknowably tall. Clouds and mist mingle with smoke and chimneys from countless forges which obscure its pinnacle. Occasional brief breaks in the clouds assure you that Moradin's keep is substantially above even the smoke. And you chuckle to yourself, remembering that, back on the cusp, the dwarven kingdom of her dearth makes its home in a mountain range called the Cloud-Capped Peaks. It seems as though that when Moradin, the dwarf father, finds something he likes, he commits to it in all his creations. Your awe is interrupted by a short, red-haired, dwarf-like exarch shouting from behind you. Listen, you five! I know it's impressive, but you've been standing here in the middle of the gangplank, gazing up for almost a minute. I'm doing my best to have the patience with you because you're new, but God's damn, get to move on. At least look somewhere that isn't dead center of the walkway. And he slams down his tungsten head of his hammer onto the heavy graded footbridge, which sends tremors through the gangplank. Well, we should probably move. Thank you. We all agree, so we do that. I, I feel like we were all just like stuck there for a really long time. Like I didn't, I wasn't thinking about. Yeah, no kidding, not a really long time. <laughs> okay, fine, we're moving. Well, it's just, you know, can't even see the top like you really can't even see the top it's unlike anything we have on the cusp so <laughs> my apologies shane mead drinker the exarch that you met back in Corlon's realm of arvindor rolls his eyes welcome to tazrek belagran the divine forge city and he ushers you forward i'm gonna be your handler i guess is the word uh, i'm gonna be your handler 
for your time here. Man, we sure have to get handled a lot. We appreciate that, Meat Drinker. We are talking to Meat Drinker. I'm talking to many of you directly. It's just that, yes, you're in the same room as Joe. And so it only feels natural to look you in the eyes when I'm talking to you. <laughs> it's pretty weird. I don't like it at all. I wish you were just beyond the computer screen where I don't have to see your face. No, but we we are talking to Mead Drinker, right? That's who's talking? Yes, that's, okay. who's, that's okay. me who's talking to you. Okay, okay. That's what I thought. Well, where do we need to go? Well, eventually we're going to end up the, there. At the top? At the top. How do we get there? Oh, there's a lift. Don't worry. Okay, cool. Ah, the lift. Like a magic lift? Like an elevator. That has it? magic in it. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, you yeah, notice that you're a lot more lively and talkative when you're in the same room as me. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting. We should just get, coincidence. We should just play more together. <laughs> Thank the Tor Father we got you off the gangplank. The crew is about to throw you off the ridge. It's nice to see something's translate between... The cosmos? Yes. I was once on the cusp. During the Dawn War, more than raised a mass of us who were slain by primordials on the cusp and brought us here to mine. It was part of an apology for giving them life and then sending them to their dune and as part of a revenge plot. Us first dwarves were the ones that built Tazrak Belagrin to supply weapons and armor to the whole pantheon of gods who were united against the primordials, but primarily Kord and Bahamut. Uh, everybody give me insight checks. Oh, man. why are my guys all the way over there? There's an insight? Yes. One of these. Eight. Twenty-three. Eleven. Ulrich, being the most attuned to pronoun usage, pick up that Shane Mead Drinker is using the first person plural pronoun when referring to the first dwarves. Us. So like us. Oh. We. Like he is old. Didn't catch that. I didn't need an inside check. I had no idea. <laughs> I failed it. I don't. I don't even know how to how to ease into that. Like. <laughs> are you? implying that you're one of the first dwarves? Aye. Yes. We first dwarves were killed by Galveklik Sumfara. Grimton, you recognize that as translating from ancient dwarvish as the lightning alive or living lightning. Mm. We discovered a beautiful, bountiful, rich vein of ore so thick Five kingdoms could have loaded their coffers with it. And apparently, Gavilect Sumfara discovered it too. Its tail end, a rod of gold sticking straight out into the elemental chaos. The lightning alive sent the current into it, killing every one of us with a pick in our hand and shattered that vein of gold. It exploded the ore out into the open air. And the following thunderclap was so loud that it caused the entire mountainside to collapse and rebuild itself. It is said that that flash was so charged with elemental magic that it transformed the gold ores into gemstones, but I have not yet been back to see it myself. How long ago was that? Pretty dang long ago. Pretty dang. A decent amount of time, you might say. Time up here doesn't have the same meaning as it does on the cusp. But I have been up here for quite a long time. Meaning? Okay. <laughs> time doesn't mean anything, but I've been here a while. Yeah. Everybody give me history checks. <clears throat> oh, much better. Seven. 20. 18. 16. Um, I'm going to give this to Grimton, Alaris, and somehow Morlinde. 
You recognize that Shane Meadrinker is telling the story of the Thundershaped Mountains, which are ruled by an ancient clan of the same name. And the Thundershaped Mountains are the mountains north of Zadal. Oh, I read about that in the library. As you walk forward into Tajik Belegrin, you can instantly see how ancient it is. It is riddled with buttresses and scaffolding. Factories and foundries coat the exterior. Showers of molten metal pour from unseen crucibles stories above you and smokestacks lift exhaust fumes safely away from the workshops and into the clouds above the ringing of hammers on metal is so incessant and at that moment a thunderous scream of rage echoes from above you what the shaking the whole mountain to its base and it, dust kicks up into the air and few rocks tumble down, smashing some scaffolding, but leaving everyone unharmed. What was that? Behind you, a small tsunami breaks up against the wharf. Me Drinker raises eyebrows and looks at you, Grimton. It sounds like someone has received some unfavorable news, he says, pointing upward to the mountain. Let's pretend we don't hear that. Building just got smashed? Is that a common occurrence? We're ignoring this? Can you describe what a small tsunami is because like that word is just categorically a large event so i'm how about you I'm really describe s- what a small tsunami is steven i <laughs> what did rxc can i offer that it was just a normal tsunami made to look small by the size of the mountain that i guess because like tsunamis are like a wall of water yeah. like taller it's than scary. people like like entire city destroying huge <laughs> so like and this was a small one but like yeah is it's it still you know <laughs> but see, that's not the sense of, that's a wave like that's just a big wave the line for tsunami yeah. is pretty high there, so like, there's 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 wave but there's there big waves, big there's wave. small tsunamis, and then there's tsunami. <laughs> and then there's big tsunami. Big tsunami. This is the tier of waves. Yeah. We're on small tsunami well, tier. Sorry, sorry. It starts with splash, and then it works its way up. Yeah, right. A ripple. Yeah, a ripple, splash, splash ripple. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. we all know how this goes, Steven. I don't know right. why you're Yeah, right. sorry, you I know, missed you know, that. You know, when you're in, in the pool, and um, you put your arm like right underneath the water, and you go like this. Uh-huh. And you make like a little wave. That's mm-hmm. that's like tier maybe three. That's below small uh, wave. So um, your tiers are like on a like logarithmic scale. Yeah, like, like this like, is yeah, not yeah, linear. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is an exponential function. Sarah, the math major and STEM teacher bringing in science to our Dungeons and Dragons fun podcast. Me Drinker leads your group to a kiosk. You said that we could easily tell how ancient it looks what what do you mean by that i mean that it has been added onto and added onto and added onto similar okay. to how your mom's yeah. home looks except that instead of doing demolition between it's just been all stacked on top of each other okay cuz i yeah cuz i would assume that they would just replace things as it got like outdated or whatever but you're saying that they just added on to it. If, if something crumbles, they'll put something in its place. But like... Sure. Who, these are the first dwarves who have impeccable stoneworking skills. Of course. So for longevity in the astral dwarf sense, for construction at least, like 
It's not going anywhere. How do they get new techniques and stuff? Like, how do they, you know, I guess, like... They do go to the cusp. At least Meat Drinker has. So some of them... Uh, well, he came from the cusp. He died on the cusp. Oh. Okay. He died during the Dawn War and came here. So, he uh, is foreshadowing for you as you walk forward into Tatuk Belagrin. We're going to take the hoist elevator to the Grand Hall, where you'll speak to the Dwarf Father about your plan. Here's a fun fact. The Dwarf Father has long since tapped most of the resources in the mountain since its creation, but he did not want to wipe away the visual symbols of progress by just magically reverting Selena to its unwind state. So Moradin chose to provide the way that the Dwarf Father ought. He forged a stone split and wedge from the very last of his tungsten and imbued it with some of his own strength and raw power. He placed it in the very deepest of his tunnels and drove that spike into the rock with his sledge. It had so much force in it that it split a wide hole through space directly into the elemental chaos. We can now mine rock and stone and mineral directly from the realm of Earth. Wow. That's cool. That's very cool. I guess what I'm getting, uh, what I'm wondering overall, if they're just doing nothing but like smithing and crafting and dwarf stuff all day, every day, making stuff bigger and better and making weapons and all sorts of stuff. Yes. Do they, like, as we're walking through, do we see technologies and things like that that we, like, almost couldn't even comprehend on the coast? Oh, cusp? yeah. Because they're just so much more advanced and far further along than, like, cuspal technology would be. And how much security is there? How much security? <laughs> um, yes. To awesome. answer your question, yeah, there is yes amounts of security. No, to answer your question, yes, there are smithing techniques that you are familiar with. Like, you know what a foundry looks like. Yeah. And they have foundries, but these are much grander in scale and move in ways that you could not possibly have expected a foundry to move. So you can identify it as that purpose. Mm -hmm. What technologies do you see? I don't even know if Alaris would necessarily know what he's looking at, I guess. You know, it's it's because he's not really a, a smithy guy anyway. Meat Drinker stops at a kiosk and reaches behind the desk and tosses you all a pair of foam earplugs connected with a string. And you follow his example and put them on. And the world, the ringing of hammers is instantly quieter. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get these earlier. These pick up voices but keep out the general annoying racket of forges and will keep you from going deaf. Uh, they're also quite effective from anything that might cause you thunder damage. Fun fact. Oh. These, uh, you can add selenium earplugs to your inventory which give you immunity to the deafened condition and are resistant to thunder damage. Say that one more time. Tell them again. Selenium earplugs. S-O-L-I-N-I-A-N. -I -I Immune to deafened condition and resistant to thunder damage. Vindrich told me your mission, and I admire your bravery. Not many would so boldly take on the responsibility of a tool such as the one you'll collect. Freer would consider themselves noble enough to use it without succumbing to the lure of power. Wait, which tool? Says Morlinde. The big magical thing we're coming to get. Says Alaris. Oh, that tool. Says Morlinde. Yeah. The big battery. That was the tool you're we already holding. Got it. No, 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 no. 
Not these little foamy things. Yes. I was like, wow. Instead of squishing them between his finger. With great... <laughs> Not many would succumb to Ma- its power. Magical earplugs. The thing that the war has been missing. We'll be taking the hoist to the Grand Hall so you can speak with the Dwarf Father about your plan. Uh, and he presses a button. And the cage on the elevator opens up. You get in. Up it goes. The lift. How long does it take to traverse 10 miles? Different mountain. So more than 10 miles. <laughs> 10 miles is cronious. That's this a long ways up. This is this is still substantial. Oh. Not 10 miles. Okay. It is a long way up, though. Anybody got any good jokes? Me drinker looks at you expectantly. <laughs> I got nothing. See, you're the one that I would have expected to have the most jokes. Yeah, that happens a lot. It's just, I'm just so charming. <laughs> <laughs> Any Celestian jokes? I got some dwarven jokes. All the better. I'm a dwarf. <laughs> what do you get when you throw a piano down a shaft? A flat minor. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. I really enjoy puns. Why are dwarven mines so successful? <laughs> Why? Joe researched these. <laughs> Low overheads. <laughs> oh my goodness. What does a prospector's husband make for his birthday? I don't know. Tell us. Carrot cake. Like gold? Yeah. Like golden yeah, carrots? Yeah, yeah. Oh, with the... Okay. Okay, with just making K. sure. That one's a little deep. Yes. Carrot with a K. What do you call a lost lycanthrope? A werewolf. Oh, dang it. Ah! <laughs> he slaps you on the back. What is a playboy's definition of a metallurgist? I'd eat. Uh, Someone who can tell the difference between a platinum blonde and a common ore. <laughs> that one was... Hey friends, it's Joe. So glad you're here with us for episode 2.52. Here in Selena, this episode, uh, we're introducing two powerful characters into the story. One you will expect, Morden, the Dwarf Father, the High God whose astral dominion the Unknown Associates are in. The second, however, I will not spoil. That is a surprise, but I am excited to adventure with them over the next few episodes. Now, I'm pleased to announce a giveaway in collaboration with our sponsors. Prizes for that include a set of dice from our friends at Dark Silver Forge and a custom painted Hero Forge model by Cosmic Blues Minis. Uh, Winners for this giveaway will be announced in episode 2.54 on September 5th, 2021. Entry will be very easy. You've got a month starting now to follow Advantage on Apple Podcasts or or on Spotify. There we go. And to follow Cosmic Blues on Etsy. Send me a screenshot of each for one entry. Extra entries will be given for screenshots of your review of Advantage on iTunes or another podcasting app, or for following at Cosmic Blues Miniatures on Instagram, and for joining the Darkmore Podcast Network's Discord channel. There's a link down in the doobly-doo. Chances are, these are things you've already done, so take a screenshot of it and send it to me. You can do that through a direct message on Discord or by DMing me on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, uh, all at AdvantageDND. Um, you've got a month 
for an easy way to get a free custom painted miniature and a rad set of Dark Silver Forge dice. Get to it. What becomes possible when you let go of your preconceived notions on what makes a great story? What becomes possible when we see tabletop role-playing as more than just a game and also as a vehicle for personal growth and development? What becomes possible when you let your characters live through your gameplay? This is the DM Shower Thoughts Podcast, a proud member of the Darkmoor Podcast Network, available on iTunes and Spotify. All right, let's get back to the show. Thank you. The elevator dings. Ding! Like, oh god, like. (laughs) And the. (laughs) Thank the spirits. The elevator dings is probably like the best, (laughs) the funniest thing. We're all just like. Up, like, oh, the elevator dings and the gate opens up to an ornately chiseled antechamber. Me Drinker ushers you to a set of uh, screens, like changing screens. Uh, Mr. Steadyham, is it custom in her dearth to doff all armor and weapons before meeting your king in their hall? Yeah. Here, it is custom that we wear these robes. He ushers you behind screens and then, like, flips over bolts of amethyst-colored fabric that drape over the changing screens for you all to use. I've seen the dwarf father unmake a child of his before, and I do not want to see it again. Mm. Unmake. Yeah. Me drinker. Yes. You're you talking from behind the screen, and like yeah. all you all you can see is his silhouette and your the silhouette. Shadows. <laughs> yeah. You said explicitly that we have to wear the robes, but not explicitly that we have to doff our armor. You have to doff your armor. All right. <laughs> I think that's the part of the whole robe thing, which is. Uh, I just feel so naked, you know, without the armor. I've been wearing it for the better part of 200 years in some capacity. That's a long damn time. It is a long time. Well, you know. You didn't ever have to, like, get a new set? Not this specific armor. What do you do when you have to pee? Does it have a little hole in the gusset? <laughs> I wasn't envisioning, like, full plate. The cod piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like a chest piece. Do you sleep in your armor? Well, no. Well, so you spend a third of your life without it. Well, so, like, most of my life has been spent not in armor, but, like, it feels odd. While you're still changing, you hear another life stop at the landing. Heavy boots walk with a purpose through the antechamber, and there's a brief moment where they pause to open the door. You may try to peek with a perception roll, should you choose to. Absolutely. Now, okay, wait, before we try to peek, how sneaky is this peek? Depends on the roll. No, because the roll is a perception roll. That shows how much I see. I want to know how sneaky is the peak. Roll a stealth check first, then, if you want to do it stealthfully. What are we peeking at? You're trying to peek at a body that just walked through the antechamber. Ooh. for perception. Okay. I got a 16. I got a 3. <laughs> I got a rock. Nice. <laughs> um, I rolled 19 for stealth. <laughs> And then, uh, let's see, what do I do for perception here? Uh, 14 for perception. Grimton and Alaris, you didn't look in time. Uh, Morlinde and Auric. The individual that you saw was clearly armored and expected, but you could make out no further details. You do see that Mead Drinker is already changed and standing in front with his head down, minding his own business. 
Morlinde, from behind the closed door, you hear some impassioned speech and the occasional slam of a fist. Then the voices meet, meet a more leveled tone. That sounded serious. Yeah, that, that sounded pretty serious. I don't know what that was. Also, did that person walk in with armor on? That person did walk in with armor on, so I don't know why 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 are the roles different. You said there for, was a fella uh, in armor? I yeah, I saw You a, heard it. A person. You just didn't see it. Yeah. My best guess would be that well, it may be someone that doesn't consider more than their king, or, you know, like maybe an equal. There's just gods up here running around willy. Yeah, you? like there's two people who can get away with that. Somebody who doesn't care and is already gonna die. Or somebody who doesn't care because they either Don't. equally rank or outrank the person who would kill them. Right. Okay. And there was yelling, so. There was yelling. <laughs> Morden just getting mad at an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> so you gather in the antechamber, waiting to be seen. And eventually the door is opened by an armored dwarven exarch. Alaris, Morlinde, and Ulrich, you have seen this face before. You have seen it almost every day for the past few months. It is a face of Grimton Steadyhand. What? Grimton, you have seen this face before. You see it nightly in your dreams, though you do not speak of it. It is a face of your grandfather. Gorbring Steadyhand. Get out of town. All of you need to make wisdom saving throws to contain your excitement and bewilderment and restrain yourself in front of the dwarf father. Alright, so that's nine. I'm gonna be honest, I'm gawking at this point based on you're, that roll. You're, you're choosing to fail? No, I got a three. I got uh, a nine, so yeah, like, yeah. I am I'm like open mouth staring, just like I cannot believe this uh, is happening. I knew he was here. I rolled a 17, <laughs> so uh, mostly mostly contained is my face. Mostly contained. Grimton and Morlinde, you are contained. <laughs> Ulrich and Alaris, this is, this is something worth showing in a face story, if you will. Mm -hmm. you, your face is making all sorts of... Face. Yeah. Questions. Like, wait. Wait, is that... What? Grimton, how are you here and there? I, I bear a striking resemblance to my grandfather. That's my grandfather. Oh, that's your, oh, that's that's your putting, grandfather. That's putting it lightly, first of all. That's, and then that's, second of all, that is, steady hand. that is not any less awe-inspiring at this point. He prefers Gorbrin. What, what did you, did you have like a, like a cute grandfather nickname? Gorbrin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Grandfather was acceptable as well. You all need insight checks, please. Is Gorbrin who like just walked in? Yes. Okay. Ooh, nineteen. And this is a what check? Insight. Insight. Nice. Seventeen. Oh no. Nineteen. Uh, I got a nat one. <laughs> you see a readable shock on this person's face. Gorbring is blinking as if also trying to comprehend their reality, their mouth switching between, like, tightened shut and opening as if trying to say something. And eventually, Gorbring speaks to the group. Shane Meadrinker, the dwarf father more than has invited you and your, uh, your, uh, your party to speak. And the dwarf 
keeps the door open long enough for you to enter and then shuts it behind you. Is is your grandpa like right hand man or something? Or working like a palace guard? Or I mean he's at least guarding the throne. You are room. in the throne room, says me drinker. Shush Sorry. The throne room is empty. Okay. Uh, but there's a bank of double doors <laughs> on the wall uh, across from you, and all of them are propped open, displaying a magnificent balcony that looks over out atop Selena. The radiant lights shine invitingly on the gray stone bricks, and the breeze coming through is chilly but not cold. Mead Drinker and the other dwarf uh, lead you to a dwarven figure that you instantly recognize as Moradin. He faces away from you. A braid is tucked into a cape that burns like the depths of a forge under bellows and dances in the breeze like flame. The peaks of Selena are high above the clouds of mist and smoke that obscure the castle from below. The dwarf father looks over his majestic realm in the sea of warm light. You will forgive me. The golds, the dragon of Bahamut, told me upon your arrival that you would be here, but I have since been put in a very cross mood. There have been issues with a group of blasphemers who call themselves the Soul Forgers, and they make trouble in my domain. But I must consider the strongest approach to dealing with them. They will pay for their disrespect and larceny, and I will allow that thought to cool for now. Introduce yourselves. Speak freely and truthfully regarding your purpose in my realm. Morden turns around, his eyes like cinders and his hair like ash. He wears a resplendent cuirass and a skirt over an ancient washed-out tabard. Mead Drinker speaks. We have invited... Five companions on a diplomatic mission to the Seldrand court. They are from the cusp, your honor, not Arvindor. Though Corallon has vouched for them. They seem to have a solution to our issues regarding the arcane battery and the platinum dragon. You'll remember, your honor, that Corallon hopes to use the battery in the great scuffle. It could defeat the organized orcs on the cusp, but there is no available means to teleport it there. Uh, me drinker then ushers to the five of you, uh, including Maylin, who has been here silent because mm-hmm. it's hard to play PC uh, NPCs, but to Grimton in particular. That's correct, Dwarfather. Uh, we believe we may be of assistance to you and Cord and Corallon in the Great Scuffle. In what ways? Well, for one we can transport the arcane battery back to the cusp. And secondly, I am both vouched for by Corallon and am a paladin of Bahamut. I will see to it that this battery does not go wantonly. The Platinum Dragon, in his eternal quest for justice, fails to see how the arcane battery could be used justly. But Cord agrees with me that stopping the orcs will do the most good in the end. But I am unable to move the battery. 
You say that you have a means of doing so. Tell me how. That's correct. Uh, one of my companions, his father, is actually uh, the creator of this portal. Uh, I'll let him explain. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Your um, Darth Fatheriness. Um, <laughs> so basically, long story short, this uh, blanket, I guess, uh, <laughs> opens up into a portal back to the material plane. The long story short, that's all that that really happens. Um, There's it involves cosmology and stuff, but. I think he's a little awestruck. You'll have to forgive him. Yeah, this is just a lot to take in. Uh, we saw another gray thunder right out there. It's wasn't expecting that. Or another steady hand on another gray thunder. I was like, did we see a gray thunder? <laughs> we didn't see a gray thunder. I don't thunder. remember a gray thunder. No, we didn't see a gray thunder. Another steady hand out there. Um, you know, I don't even know what young I'm King Gray Thunder is quite driven. I respect that, but the use of his drive is. They're dubious at best and genocidal at worst. I agree. Yeah, that at worst bit is the is the one. <laughs> Speak yeah, more to that. You, yeah, how how do you kind of feel overall about about the current Green King Grace Under? <laughs> well, let me speak first on the Soul Forgers, as they are my biggest concern. The Soul Forgers were named in my honor, they said. But they have, are nothing but disrespectful. They're powerful smiths and brilliant arcanists and artificers, but they are not theologians. No dwarf, no mortal, will ever be able to build true life. Mm. There's a spontaneity within life that is self-generative, which a machine will never have. Should they strive to build a perfect tool? Yes. For a precise and masterful creation? Yes. But life, life, no. Dwarves are my creations. And I have given them a method for creating life. And Arcana is not it. I am a sentimental creator. I place love in each of my creations. And I have honored the lives of my dwarfkin by giving them a beautiful form after their death. The amethyst contain raw abilities to make souls, not that creature's unique soul itself. The soul of a dead dwarf is remembered with me and then it is offered to the Raven Queen. And I am thankful that none of my dwarfkin are ripped from their mortal peace, but I am furious to answer your question that young Greysunders would dare use an amethyst for such blasphemy and heresy. I, I agree. It is awful, which I guess is another reason that we would potentially uh, be able to use this arcane battery power. We could uh, because um, not only are we trying to help solve the, the great scuffle, but Grimton here um, is part of a group called the Red Capes, and their whole goal is to overthrow Grey Sunder and take him out and get rid of all these soul forgers so that's kind of you know doing you solid also so we're, we're all on the same page here which is cool excellent so you'll be putting it to good use then i i have not liked the war forger since the day i've seen them 
So in one fell swoop with this with this battery in your hands, you'll be able to take out the Warforged and take out the Orcs. That seems to be the plan to me. <laughs> Sarah over there making faces. <laughs> I was going to not say anything. I guess we got to figure out where this battery is and, and get this show on the road. I, in a time like the present, right? You mentioned that Bahamut has reservations about this plan. I would that be an issue or can we move forward without his whole blessing per my understanding the platinum dragon does not want this tool to end up in the hands right. of a nation right because it's too powerful for any one nation it would tip the balance the what? state <laughs> would be corrupted instantly you're right <laughs> forgive me more than but what better tool than a few of us with hardly any ties to nations? <laughs> it's precisely my thinking. And it was precisely the thinking of the gold dragon who vouched for you. Do you have any reservations about this tool and its use? Who are you? The five of you, yeah. Personally, no. And when Coralon mentioned that there could be a way to move forward, he was of course talking of the Great Scuffle, but my first gut instinct was also that we may be able to use this for ourselves. Selfish, perhaps, but I think it may also have been just hope for bringing justice to her. Daughter. I don't have any res reservations. I think it's a good way to solve a lot of the world's problems. I'm not sure I want to participate in the scuffle part. I'm not sure that it's my place to participate in violence against a group of people that have nothing to do with me and my people. I feel similarly. However stopping Grace Sunder's streak of violence and heresy is of utmost importance to me. I feel too small to be addressing big things like that. I, I'm not sure I could properly articulate all of my reservations with it, but I do feel weird, and I feel a little uncomfortable with it all. Uh, I'm sure that there's a long history of... I don't, I don't know. I don't know that there's a long history. Maybe not. Maybe right, there just, are. Um, there be a long history there. Orcs' ramshackle huts could never last more than a generation. Their spears are hastily made and done without, with neither forethought nor craft. They are poorly organized and undisciplined monsters. For these reasons, they'll never topple a dwarven kingdom. So it is either racism. here or on the cusp. But they nonetheless draw our resources. They raid our keeps, harry our cities, and disrupt our trade. And kill many of my dwarven children who th are sent to stop them. If my arcane battery can be used to stop these monsters and their bastard children from killing me kin, I must do what I can to see it done. It is my duty as the dwarf Which father. Is why I didn't want to raise these reservations. Above the table. It's yeah, definitely that's why I didn't want to raise what? these reservations. Because I was like, uh... This isn't the um, audience. Also above the table, us having the battery is a good opportunity to 
potentially end the conflict without something like wiping out all of the orcs. I'm trying oh, not yeah. to engage in genocide here. Yeah, like, exactly. I like, appreciate if, that. If we're the this. ones in control of it, we can control the outcome as opposed to them being like, here you go, Empress yeah. Vamana. I agree fun. with that. I also <laughs> see many <laughs> possible, uh, above the table, many possible negative outcomes. Yeah, we're <laughs> so that, that is, uh, that is Moreland Day's apprehension. Yeah. Like yeah, we say we're gonna hold on to it, but like, what if we don't? Right, we're we're not good about <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but also like Stephen, the player, and I'm sure Ulrich to some degree. Um, like, imperialism is bad, and I'm pretty sure that the Pan Dominion is. If they shove back like the Kolgafirian orcs they're gonna keep what they shoved and maybe keep shoving. Like, I'd have no faith in the pandemonium just be like, no, we're chill now. Like- <laughs> I mean, you're not I, wrong. Like <laughs> the pandemonium, I read the pandemonium as the United States. I just like, that is how I read them. Uh, and so they're this like capitalist imperialist thing. And like, I don't, I don't like that. So like, I don't like the, I don't like them at all. Uh, just categorically, so I don't want to help them. And genocide is bad, uh, and racism is also bad. And I feel like we're accidentally on the side of those things, and I don't like it at all. Like our own thing has us accidentally allied with that, and it's bad. Oops. I don't like it. Thanks, Joe, yeah. for giving us conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I like story. A month ago. Soulforgers broke into my realm through a teleportation circle in Tazrik Velagrin. Commander Steadyhand in his rank discovered a dozen of them, all berobed. Easily slew many of them, but left two behind. Both told me the same story under duress. They were common soldiers from her dearth who were tasked with a special mission to meet Soulforgers in Celestia already. But according to their understanding, they were here on officially sanctioned business, not larceny. They also claimed to have come in with numbers closer to 20, not the dozen that Commander Steadyhand discovered. No one knew anyone else's face. No one knew anyone else's name. Code names only. The pair that we captured were Booger and Oxcart, both from different units in the Hardarthian army. And as far as we have managed to parse out, the soul forgers used code names and cloaks to hide their true identities around enlisted soldiers. They came in, then spirited themselves away, vanished. The soldiers took our wrath and could not account for the true nature of their presence. Morden then calls out to your grandfather who trots over to the group. Commander Studyhand, tell me the news that you brought to me earlier today. Miners in the chaos shafts have discovered some discrepancy between their claimed inventories and the materials which have made it back to the refineries in Tazak Belagran. That was brought to our attention by our ranks stationed in the plain below. We have since tracked down the perpetrators through some of the older tunnels, and we have reached an obviously barricaded door. We believe it is safe to assume 
at the Sulfargers and the soldiers that came to look for the schematics of life, but they are still safely locked away. We reckon that the real soldiers ran. They escaped Selena before they could even get a chance to look for the schematics and before any of us knew where to look for them. They made it to the chaos shaft, blended in as miners, and escaped. Morden smiles, satisfied, and he nods to himself. I know the strongest response. We'll execute them. Absolutely. One might break into S Selena, but one does not leave Selena too easily. The soul forgers won't make it out to here alive. We'll trade their souls to Asmodeus and they will spend their eternity damned to fight in the blood war. But condemning them to the nine hells is merely a personal response. The strongest response is destroying their precious warforged on the cusp. That's where we will use you. We are not going to use an army of bodies to fight these two bastards. You will go down to the chaos shaft with Commander Steadyhand and tear down their barricade. Return them to me alive so that I may barter their souls during the execution. And then you will get your battery. have to figure out a, a slightly different terrible Scottish accent which is very hard. Can Yessie read it? Also homie's name was Booger if you said that earlier. I did say that yeah. Booger yeah did you, Booger like those are like that was a serious moment so I was not trying to like <laughs> make a moment there but I was like homie's name is Booger like what a code name this is like high level like espionage essentially yeah. and they're like what's your code name? Booger hands down it's Booger like <laughs> Oxcart I can almost get, because it's just like a noun, but like booger? Come on.